When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everyone? Welcome to There Can Only Be One, the podcast that puts together the all-star best of of your favorite singers and bands. And today, we got a good one. We got a good one on this show because we are talking about 2019 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees, the one and only Def Leppard. And here to join me and go down Def Leppard Road, Lyle Robichaud from 640 AM Toronto. Lyle, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Doing great, Jason. Doing great as always. Can't not wait to talk some music. Can't wait to get into uh, one of the bands that really kind of shaped my tastes when I was uh, when I was a youngling. Now, for those of you who do listen to my other show, It's Not That Bad, you have heard La before on a few episodes here, but now we get to talk music. So I'm going to ask you this. When you were coming up with bands to discuss, what is it about Def Leppard that made you want to, you know, kind of put them up there? Well, the reason being is like where I grew up back out east in uh, New Brunswick, Canada, of course, I was raised on country music, but specifically very old country music my grandfather was actually a member of the george jones fan club so i was raised on very sad very old music i didn't really get the music bug until i was a teenager because i never really identified with old country acdc's rock and roll hall of fame induction ceremony was i saw that on tv live and that kind of opened up the door for me the first two bands i really hooked on to as a kid were def leppard and acdc ACDC, unfortunately, has already been taken. So naturally, it fell to my second choice, which was Def Leppard. I love the fact that we're now at this point where we're like, oh, this band's already taken. So clearly, we've been around long enough that people's favorite bands are already off the list. But Def Leppard wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely love them. They were the sound of the 80s. They were the sound of the early 90s. And they're still the sound of today, if you're still listening to new music that's being released. But let us explain what we are about to do here. We are about to go through 14 studio albums from Def Leppard's discography. As always, we are not going to be touching any live albums or compilations, which means we are not doing albums like Vault or Mirrorball. But I want to give a quick shout out here to Hulk Patriot, who chimed in over on X and picked Undefeated off of Mirrorball. Um, We're not going to be covering that album, but thank you, Hulk Patriot, for joining in on this one here. Uh, We will be skipping the Def Leppard EP, which was released before On Through the Night, because the three songs that are on that album were eventually uh, released or re-recorded for other albums. So those songs, while we're not touching that EP, we will be able to cover those songs, or at least the albums that those songs eventually appeared on. But we're going to go back 
can't believe I'm saying this here. We're going to go back 43 years to on through the night released march 14th 1980 the band at this point is joe elliott on vocals steve clark and pete willis on guitar rick savage on bass and rick allen on drums the album hit number 15 in the uk and number 51 in the u.s it is platinum in the u.s and in canada there were three singles off of this one. Hello America was the highest charting single, which hit number 45 in the UK. Now, we had some chime-ins over on Facebook and on X, so I want to make sure that they all get their shout-outs throughout the show here. Mark Claddy went with Rock Brigade, Cactus Pete chose Hello America, and both Hulk Patriot and Jeff Rusinellos chose Wasted. But now, Lyle, the ball's in your court. Off of On Through the Night, what did you go with? I went with Satellite, actually, which I'm very amazed that nobody picked, Jason. What is it about Satellite? I have always, when it comes to Def Leppard, I think sometimes their best work is done when it's a little bit slower, which is strange because my music taste is usually the faster the better, hence the ACDC, Metallica love. But with Def Leppard, I think Joe Elliott's voice just goes so well when they're doing something more melodic and kind of slow with some harmonies. This On Through the Night album definitely feels like a prototype stage. It feels like the concepts are there, but they're trying really hard to be like other bands at the time with songs like Rock Brigade and Hello America. Satellite sounds the most Def Leppard-ish to me, if that makes any sense. You know how people are always saying, oh, this doesn't feel like Star Wars? Well, Satellite feels the most like Def Leppard on this album, which I, I put up there. It's one of their better ones. The first few are always kind of like lightning in a bottle. But I, I think it took Def Leppard more time to kind of fit into their niche than other places. So I, I definitely, I'd go with Satellite on the basis that it sounds the most like they would later on. And there are albums in their discography where, and we'll get to those albums a little bit later, where it's like you could tell they're experimenting with a couple different sounds. They're trying out some different things. Yes, by all means, there is a Def Leppard sound. And it did take some time to evolve into that sound. Uh, but off this album... I'm actually going to go with Answer to the Master off of this one here. Ooh. It's a, it's a very new wave of British heavy metal kind of song. And I think it's the, the dueling guitar parts. I mean, I... You know, I, I was raised on Iron Maiden and Queensryche and that dual guitar kind of attack. And Answer to the Master really does fit into that Iron Maiden new wave of British heavy metal um, kind of feel to it. It's it's a great song. And I completely agree with you that, yes, Def Leppard is probably at their best when they're doing ballads and power ballads. But I, I, I got no problem with a little bit of new wave of British heavy metal styles. Yes, and you know what? You hit the nail on the head. I think that's why I didn't put the, all of the songs on, on on Through the Night are good. Like it's, There's a lot of albums that Def Leppard has that are cover to cover good. There's not a lot of filler until they get kind of in their 90s period, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Oh, but absolutely. I do, and I think that that's what it is. I think it sounds a lot like Iron Maiden and stuff, which is obviously amazing. They're a great band, but I guess that's why I picked Satellite. It sounds the most like this is the the sliver of what they would become almost in their humble beginnings. Oh, you could definitely hear the embryonic stage and the, the building of what would become the Def Leppard sound. But now we move on one year later to High and Dry, released July 6th of 1981. The album hit number 26 in the UK and number 38 in the US. It is double platinum in the US and platinum in Canada. There were two singles off of this one, Let It Go, hit number 76 in the UK, and number 34 in the US rock charts. Now, Mark Claddy went with Bringing On The Heartbreak, 
Cactus Pete went with Let It Go. Hulk Patriot chose No, No, No. And Jeff Rusinelles went with High and Dry. So we've knocked four songs off of that album already. So off of High and Dry, what did you go with? So this was my first Def Leppard experience. I didn't get hooked on to everybody else's entry point, which is uh, Pyromania and Hysteria until later on. This was my first uh, kind of exposure to it through a friend of mine's vinyl. Once I started kind of sniffing around rock music more, he was like, hey, if you like ACDC, try this. And this was the album that we listened to. I'm going to go with Mirror Mirror off of this album. All good choices by the people on X as well. Uh, Switch 625 is another one that's amazing live. I've seen Def Leppard twice live. That song live is so much fun. Uh, No, no, no. Another really good one represented. I'm glad somebody said that. That was my honorable mention. But Mirror Mirror is so good. It's got the power ballad with a little bit more of an up-tempo to it. Uh, The chorus is amazing. It's just, I, I love that song. I love this album, but I love that song so much. See, I ended up siding with Mark on this one and went with Bringing on the Heartbreak. Like yourself, this was one of the first you know experiences of Def Leppard, and of course, you know you watch on much music at the time when they actually played music, and this is one of the first songs that really kind of clicked with me from Def Leppard, and you know those darker feeling kind of ballads that they would do, those power ballads. This was. I think, you know, as as much as we say that On Through the Night was kind of the embryonic stage, this is where the songwriting really kind of, f- you know, fell into yes. place as far as what that embryonic sound was supposed to be. I 100% agree. This is, I feel like this should be put up there and kind of held in the same regard as Pyromania is, but for some reason it doesn't. It's one of those ones where a lot of the songs were super big and now are live staples and things you see on the live uh, albums and the compilations. But for some reason, High and Dry itself isn't held in that regard for some reason. And I don't know why, because I really do think that this this etched the path, like this walked so Pyromania and Hysteria could run. Oh, absolutely. It's And you can see the progression from On Through the Night to High and Dry. It's not like, you know, the albums got better and better. It wasn't like, you know, those situations where you have your entire life to write that first album and then you hit that sophomore slump. This was constant walking forward in those early 80s years for Def Leppard. You mentioned Pyromania. That's next. Released oh, yeah. January 20th, 1983. We have a member change on this one. Pete Willis was fired mid-recording on this album. Phil Collin joined in, provided the solos on five tracks, and helped finish making the album. It hit number 18 in the UK and number two in the US. It is, get your get your calculators out here, 10 times platinum in the US. That makes it diamond. Seven times platinum in Canada. It's silver in the UK and gold in France. There were six singles off of this one. Both Photograph and Rock of Ages both hit number one in the US rock charts. At the American Music Awards that for this album cycle, the band was nominated for fave pop rock band duo or group. They lost... To Daryl Hall and John Oates. Not a bad, not a bad uh, competition there. If you're losing to Hall and Oates, you're not necessarily in bad company there. Oh, I I do get it. It's just two very, very different groups. But yes, Hall and Oates in the early 80s. Yeah. (laughs) But they were also. Rich Girl versus Photograph. But they were also nominated for Fave Pop Rock Album. That lost. And there's zero question about this one. To Thriller. From Michael Jackson, like the album to end all albums, like any album that released in 1983, just 
bow down at that point. There's not one thing you can do about that. Like you're going up against a god at that point, oh, especially exactly. at that time frame. Like you were, that's like going up against Taylor Swift nowadays. Right? You could release the best album of your career and people look and go, oh, 1983, Thriller. Yeah, shut yep. up, right? Uh, Mark Cloudy and Cactus Pete both chose Photograph on this one. Hulk Patriot went with Rock Rock Till You Drop and Jeff Rusinellis went with Stage Fright. But off of Pyromania, what have you got? I have probably one of my favorite top three Def Leppard songs. It's Foolin' Ooh. off of this album. The hook for this song, the f f f foolin that is just that is in my bones uh going back and re-listening to everything was such a treat because it brought back memories of my childhood uh foolin was a hockey dressing room song before every game absolutely love that song love the hook again i think it makes it makes complete use of joe elliott's voice which i think drives def leppard uh phil phil Collin. glad that he's there he's the better guitarist i think out of their discography and they've had a couple instrument changes here and there but the one thing that has driven this band through will always be the front man's voice. It's, he has one of the best voice in rock history, if you ask me, and it's on full display with Foolin. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, this is the the, the full the full formation of the the classic, you know, almost the iconic Def Leppard lineup. And that's nothing against Pete Willis, and that's nothing against Vivian Campbell. You know, but this is, when you think of Def Leppard, this is probably the lineup that most people think of immediately. And with Pyromania, like, this was the explosion at this point. Like, you know, On Through the Night, good album, right? Great debut. You know, high and dry, you know, things are starting to chug along. Pyromania comes out, and it explodes, like, all over everywhere. And six singles? You know, you are hard-pressed to come up with an album today that's going to produce anywhere close to six singles unless you are oh, just releasing man. singles and then call it an album afterwards. It's so rare nowadays. If you have three off of one album, people are kind of writing articles about it and are like, wow, that's impressive. It just, it doesn't happen anymore. It's not, that's just not the music industry anymore to release single, single, and then put, make an album cover to cover. Now it's just try to make that one big song. Yeah. But uh, this, like, this was a hit machine and somehow it still kind of pales in comparison to the one that comes after it. Oh yeah, but we talked about how good they are when they when they slow it down a little bit. They get to that power ballad mode. Too late for love. This may be one of my favorite slower songs from them. And and again, it's it's one of those songs where you know you listen to it, it's like oh it sounds really nice. You read the lyrics, oh it's not so nice. But you know, yeah. you, but you knew it, and it was it was played all the time and yes photograph absolutely I, I get it rock rock till you drop like these are all great iconic songs uh rock of ages of course like then you get the the stage play called rock of ages and it just goes to show you how iconic this album is and how iconic Def Leppard is when it comes to that 80s music scene but for me too late for love stands out among them all and it's one of their better ballads you're right in a band where like we've said before, he's almost better suited when he's slow. Too Late for Love does have a lot of those super high notes and the pitch that only he can seem to hit. It, it's an amazing song as well. There's You can't go wrong here. There's there's two or three albums in this that you could pick any song and I would 100% be like, I, can, I understand the argument. I mean, there are bands that can't produce, you know, the, the quality of songs that's, uh, that's on half of this album. And that's not oh, to yeah. slag any band. I'm not going to name any band out there. But, I mean, like, this this album 
had like some special sauce just layered on it. And I'm going to try to not gush too much in this because I do love this band so much. Oh, gush away. There there are few bands that, like you said, could keep up the pace that they kept up from 1980 to 1996. Quality after quality after quality, everything building on each other. No misses for for a decade. Basically, say, a, a decade and some change, like a decade and four years. There is no other band to my recollection that has that. There are bands that release two amazing albums. They have a bit of a miss, then another amazing one, and they kind of hop back and forth in its peaks and valleys. But for Def Leppard, from 1980 with On Through the Night until one we'll talk about later in 1996-99 area, it there was no misses here. Like, all of the albums were good. Some were amazing, and some were just like 8 out of 10 and not 10 out of 10. But the fact that you're staying in that upper echelon of quality for that long in a time period that was full of bands that were absolutely amazing coming out with the best work that's still getting played today. There's reasons that there are rock stations that are still committed to music that came out in this era because it was so good. So for them to have this kind of control over the market there, like you just don't see it today. There's no band that could do this, this kind of pace today. And I think the the key thing for them too, is that they were cross genre. They were, they were mass wide appeal. I mean, you could sit there and say, well, Iron Maiden was able to do this, 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 and this over this stretch of time. Like you think around this time, you're getting albums like, you know, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son and Power Slave and eventually into No Fear, uh, uh, Fear of the Dark. And of course, um, like so many good albums, but it wasn't mass appeal. Probably the only comparison you could draw at this time was maybe Bon Jovi. Because, of course, yep. you know, as soon as and very similar to Def Leppard, where On Through the Night and 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 High and Dry were good albums, but that was the embryonic stage building, you know, whereas Bon Jovi, you had 7800 degrees Fahrenheit. And I can't remember what the other album was before you hit Slippery When Wet with that with third that. album. Yeah. And all of a sudden everything explodes and it's just it keeps going from there. You had almost parallel paths with Def Leppard and Bon Jovi just on different sides of the Atlantic. And it's very true. And also much like Def Leppard with High and Dry and with On Through the Night, you those two albums almost were not discovered until their big pop happened, until Pyromania, Hysteria and Slippery When Wet. Then people start digging in a little bit and realizing, oh my God, their past stuff is just as good as like, that's when almost the previous albums get that, the respect they deserve. And I think that's why High and Dry kind of gets left off the radar a little bit because it didn't get brought into the fold until people retroactively looked at the band after they hit their highest high, which we're about to talk about. Oh yeah, and you get people like, you know, during the Bon Jovi era, it's like, oh yeah, I love this song. You know, you could love a bad name. And it's like, yeah, well, do you know Runaway? You know, it's flashing yeah. back to some <laughs> of those. Here, it's probably like, oh, Pyromania is such a great album. Rock, rock till you drop. It's like, yeah, well, have you heard Stage Fright? Mm. Yeah, really, like put on your <laughs> gatekeeping glasses, everybody. Yeah, well, just no, just take the gatekeeping glasses off. Music is for everyone. No yeah, gatekeepers. True. I love whatsoever. it. I hate gatekeeping. When the Metallica resurgence happened with Stranger Things, it was a war in Twitter. Oh. X, X now. I don't care what day, what year, and what decade you jumped on the Metallica bandwagon. Welcome aboard. Exactly. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We now move on to probably the biggest album of Def Leppard's career, Hysteria, released August 3rd, 1987. And this is the first album after Rick Allen's car accident and the loss of his arm. It hit number one in six countries. It is 12 times platinum in the U.S., 13 times platinum in Canada, four times platinum in Australia, double platinum in the UK, platinum in New Zealand and Switzerland. There were, we talked about Pyromania with six singles, seven singles off of this one. Armageddon It and Love Bites both hit number three in the US rock charts and Love Bites eventually hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. At the MTV VMAs, Pour Some Sugar On Me was nominated for Best Heavy Metal Video. It lost to Sweet Child of Mine from Guns N' Roses. They were almost also nominated for Best Stage Performance in a Video, and that just tells you what the videos in the 80s were like. They lost to Cult of Personality by Living Color. And at the American Music Awards, they won for Favorite Heavy Metal Hard Rock Artist and Album. However, they were nominated for a fave pop rock band duo or group. They lost to Gloria Estefan and Miami Sound Machine. <laughs> oh, wow. Come what on, baby, come do, do the conga. Yeah, no, you can't control yourself <laughs> any longer. Oh, yeah, there we go. And fave pop rock album, they were nominated, but they lost to the Dirty Dancing soundtrack, which means wow. they lost to an album with Patrick Swayze singing. Man. That is, that's such a wild group. Like if you put them together, a Venn diagram, they only cross there, I think. That's that's a crazy company. Although that being said, Joe Elliott would kill singing She's Like the Wind. Yeah, you're right. Joe Elliott could do the entire soundtrack for Dirty Dancing, I think. <laughs> I'd love to hear his rendition of Hungry Eyes. Hungry Eyes. Yes. <laughs> no, and no. Uh, getting to the shout-outs here. Mark Claddy chose Pour Some Sugar on Me. Cactus Pete went with Love and Affection. And both Hulk Patriot and Jeff Rusinalos chose Hysteria. And I'm not going to lie, I sided with Hulk Patriot and Jeff Rusinalos. Hysteria is the quintessential song to me where it does not matter what mood you're in. If you're in a happy mood, you can listen to hysteria and you get happier. If you're in a sad mood, you can listen to hysteria and also feel melancholy at the same time. It's a weird mid tempo song that literally no matter how you're feeling, no matter what mood you're in, it sounds good, man. This is so, this is difficult. I, this is a perfect album to me. I've said this to several people before. If there's one album cover to cover that does not have any filler, a lot of people can say a lot of things. And, oh, my favorite artist has this album and that album. Yes, it's all personal bias. I don't think you could find a person that if they never listened to Def Leppard before or any kind of rock music from this era, if you sit them down and play Hysteria cover to cover, they will love it. This is as close as you can get, I think, to a perfect package musically, 
uh, brand wise, the cover is amazing. The story is amazing. They wanted to fire Rick Allen after the motorcycle accident that cost him his arm. Uh, Joe Elliott and the rest of the band were basically like, absolutely not. We're going to retrofit a drum kit for him and figure out a way to do this. And of course, now it's famous. He has this ridiculous Autobot looking drum kit where everything he used to do with the hand that he lost, he now does with that foot. So for them to come out with this album after that happened and have it just be a decade defining romp is amazing to me. It's impossible to pick one song. You've asked me to do something that is not possible. So if I had a gun to my head and somebody was like, you got to pick one album off of this or one song off of this album, I would probably have to go with Gods of War. And the reason is, and the reason is it is, I'm going back to my youth again. Def Leppard was my hockey soundtrack and Gods of War is just a fight song. The harmonies on it are amazing. You feel real angsty when you listen to it because you feel like it's a statement. Uh, I love the chorus, the harmonies involved with it. I, it's just an amazing song, but there's nothing you can pick here. That isn't pour some sugar on me. Maybe the most, one of the most recognizable guitar riffs of all time. Um, Animal was the close second. I had Animal crossed off on my notes here because I was going to pick it first, and Hysteria was also there. Uh, Excitable, also worth mentioning. It's it's such a really happy, upbeat one, but I think the quality is in one of the sleeper hits of it, and that's Gods of War. And I think the thing with, with Rick Allen's drum kit, you know, because you had to have electronic triggers and you had a more... Um, modern sound if you will like obviously leaning into the 80s and electronic this is part of what made the Def Leppard sound to me yes I mean, absolutely you know, I mean yes Robert John Mutt Lang being the producer on this and Pyromania like like obviously he helped craft that sound and if you listen to you know albums that he was working on as a producer at the time you know that there's a reason why Brian Adams and Def Leppard both kind of sound the same around this era here um but I do think that Building that kit and making sure Rick Allen was still part of the band helped define the quintessential commercial Def Leppard sound. I completely agree. Uh, the word I use to describe it when people ask me, like, how does this sound different? Because, like, there, you always get the argument, all, all 80s rock sounds the same. But uh, when people ask me what differentiates this, Def Leppard is the cleanest and crispest, crisp, most crisp uh, sounding band. From that era. They are the ones that have the most polish on it. It doesn't sound like sometimes a dirty sound adds to a band. But with with Def Leppard, I think they're clean, crisp energy. It almost sounds like um, it sounds like I would imagine what solar power sounds like, if that makes any sense. I'm trying to give it like life, <laughs> but it, it sounds so clean. It sounds so energized, but at the same time, it can be reserved. And you're right. It's that almost electronic hum of the Rick Allen drum set that comes through and you hear a little bit more post-production than you would on other albums at the time. It's a little bit ahead of its time because I think if these songs came out today, they would have been as popular as if when they came out, if that makes any sense. And the thing is like, I get that there are for lack of a better term, music purists getting back to the whole gatekeeper thing, talking about electronic drums, not being real drums. Absolutely not. But you have to remember this this is the 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 mid to late 80s here and arguably one of the greatest drummers of all time neil peart from rush was experimenting with electronic drums like if you go back and listen to the a show of hands live album and you hear how much there is electronic drums in his his 
basic songwriting as far as a lot of those songs go of that era you know yes there are different eras of rush um but just because a kid is electronic doesn't mean the drummer isn't freaking talented and i never understood the thought process of just because it's electronic means that it doesn't take as much skill to play i don't understand that you're still writing the beats he's still keeping time for the entire band up there during his performances like that's i don't i never understood the thought process of going electric means you're losing something. Yes, it's a different sound and you have more tools at your disposal and it's a little bit easier, quote unquote, maybe than, than the regular drums. But I don't understand why there's such a purist stance of, Oh, well he, they went electric. They, they sold out uh, similar to Bob Dylan. When it happened to him, I remember there was a famous concert where he plugged in an electric guitar and people walked out. It's like, what does that mean? It's less of a guitar. He still has to play it just like the drums. There's still a, a masterclass going on in that seat even if it's just a different looking kit. Oh, exactly. We now move on to Adrenalize, released March 31st, 1992. The album was recorded as a four-piece because, of course, this was made after the death of Steve Clark. Vivian Campbell eventually joined the band after the release of the album, and there is the current and, I guess, permanent lineup of Def Leppard because it hasn't changed since then. This album hit number one in six countries it is triple platinum in the u.s quadruple platinum in canada platinum in the uk australia and switzerland there are once again seven singles off of this one let's get rocked and stand up kick love into motion both at number one on the u.s rock charts at the mtv vmas they were nominated for viewers choice they lost to under the bridge by red hot chili peppers at the best metal hard rock video uh award they lost to enter sandman from metallica they were nominated for best special effects in a video of course for let's get rock they lost to even better than the real thing from u2 and they were nominated for video of the year they lost to right now by van halen and at the 1993 american music awards they were nominated for favorite heavy metal hard rock artist and they lost to metallica mark claddy chose let's get rock cactus pete went with heaven is Hulk Patriot went with Stand Up, Kick, Love, and Emotion, and Jeff Rusinellis went with White Lightning. So off of Adrenalize, what did you go with? I'm very happy that uh, a lot of the good songs are getting picked up by ex-users, but I picked Tear It Down, the final song on the album. Ooh. I, I think it has this driving force behind it. Uh, the Rick Allen drums are amazing in it. Love the breakdowns. Uh, I, just, I just think it's all of them are good. It's another one. This is a band on the back foot this album, I think, a little bit. They're faced with a monumental task of following up an album that you always want your stuff to do good, but no band. I, they didn't release Hysteria saying this is going to be one of the uh, albums that defines an entire decade of music. They didn't think that, I don't think. They didn't think seven singles were going to be that big. Then to have one of your band members pass away and have to be dealing with that. So it's just... This is a band that is trying a monumental task here, and they do a pretty good job following up, following up Hysteria. A lot of the songs sound like they could have been. If there was a Hysteria bonus version, four or five of these would have made it. White Lightning is amazing. Stand Up, Kick, Love, and Demotion. I would argue that and Two Steps Behind are probably their best ballads, but I think Tear It Down, like I said, it's got that driving force behind it. It, it, I think it, this could have been a lot bigger song if it was released as a single by itself. I still remember watching the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. 
and before Queen got up and did their set with with all the other singers, uh, you had bands that were coming out and doing shorter sets just to to get them to Queen's set. And Def Leppard was obviously one of those bands at the time. And this, to my memory, was the first time that Vivian Campbell played live with Def Leppard. Like this is this was the you know welcome to the band. By the way, we're we're playing Wembley in front of all these Queen fans, and you know <laughs> that can't that, that that can't be intimidating at all. But it means You're Vivian not. Campbell, right? So it's all good. But I mean, I have a special place in my heart for this album because this is the tour where I got to see Def Leppard for the one and only time in my life that I got to see them. It was at the Ottawa Civic Center where the Ottawa 67s play. And I distinctly remember this show very well because, you know, I I work in TV, so I'm a bit of a TV geek. And at that show, at the Ottawa Civic Center at Lansdowne Park, they filmed the video that night for "I Want to Touch You." It was like one of the last singles off of this album. So that if you if there's a, there's a spot where if you if you freeze frame it very very carefully and you know pull like the the Blade Runner enhance enhance enhance, you might be able to see a very young me at that show because I was right on the rail and this of course was you know when they were in the round too so it was such a cool show but it was really hard to focus on do I focus on the band or do I focus on the steady cam camera guy running around the stage because that's pretty cool too not the song I, I went with say, though have you ever gone on and seen if you were there have you like combed through the footage to see if you can find yourself uh, I mean, if, if memory serves the videos in black and white so it's kind of hard to tell I, I do know the exact shot because I remember exactly where I was standing, and I'm pretty sure I have seen me, but it's it's a little on the blur side. Keep in mind too, 1992, 93. That's uh that's standard def, so it's not as crisp that's, and clean. It's as like one before. of those conspiracy theorists taking a picture all blurry. That's me, I swear. Well, I mean, when when you think about you know being at a show where there's a, a music video or whether there's a, a a live DVD being filmed, and I've I've been at both now. Like I've I've been there for music video and i've been there for live concert recordings and occasionally i have yes seen myself in like a, a freeze frame or something like that at some of those shows not def leppard but uh the queen's actually mind crime at the more uh I, i'm pretty sure i have seen myself in the crowd on that one um for a song pick i ended up going with white lightning i i, I sided with jefferson else on this one here I'm a Def Leppard guy, I, not just a Def Leppard guy, but I'm also a Dream Theater guy, as I've said on the show numerous times. So yeah. I like the longer songs. There's a lot of complexity to this one, but this song was also kind of like their tribute to Steve Clark. So this song hits really hard when when you when you think about it like that. And there's emotion in it too. You can hear the emotion in his voice. It was a tribute to a tribute to a fallen friend. So yeah, that makes total sense. But it, it is. It's just like the last two. You could pick any song here and I wouldn't would not judge you at all. Eh, maybe except make love like a man. That one's kind of weird, especially <laughs> today's connotations. But I, I just want someone to to at a show play make love like a man. And then, man, I feel like a woman back to back right next to each other. Exactly. <laughs> I just really confuse everybody. I will say, in my opinion, I think White Lightning is probably the best guitar solo of any Def Leppard song ever. Oh, I don't know. Run Riot has a really good guitar solo right in the middle there where it speeds up and kind of starts to match the pace of the drums. But that's that's a good one. That's a close second. I would say Run Riot's still first for me, but that is a close second. 
we now move on to a collection of songs, B-sides and stuff that had never been put onto an album before, and that is Retroactive, released October 5th, 1993, and Vivian Campbell at this point is a full-time member of the band. It hit number six in the UK and number nine in the US. It is platinum in the US and Canada and gold in Switzerland. There were four singles off of this one, Two Steps Behind, of course, hit number five on the US rock charts, a song that was also featured on the Last Action Hero soundtrack. Mark Claddy went with Two Steps Behind and Hulk Patriot went with Fractured Love. What did you go with? I went with Action, the revised version. I think that's one of the stronger songs that doesn't really get talked about enough because it isn't so much focused on the formula of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and kind of stay. It's got a really different hook to it as well. Everybody wants a piece of the action. It's, it's, it's a nice switch up from the usual like power chorus that they do for their faster stuff. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of a, it's the definition of a B side for Def Leppard. And I, I really like it. And it has kind of that, that, that T-Rex kind of feel to it. And yeah, you know, obviously T-Rex being a, a, a big influence on them. And it's a little dirtier. I, like I said, one of their best things is that it's, they're very clean and very crisp, but with this album, it does feel like there's a toe dip into experimentation a little bit, which really comes out in the next one. But you can tell here they were kind of trying to see like what different directions they could go in that would stick with people. Every now and then you say something and it's like we it feels like we rehearsed this because you gave me the perfect lead in to my song off of this album when you mentioned experimentation because I ended up going with from the inside off of this one. Oh, yeah. Oh. And that's experimentation. Oh, yeah. For I sure. Mean, for sure. It, it's basically Celtic. It's Def Leppard Celtic at this point. But there's something almost cinematic to it like i could see this being like one of those you know fantasy adventure type films and this is the point in the hero's journey where the hero starts to doubt if they're actually going to be able to do what it is that they have to do it's a great song and definitely something that you wouldn't expect out of them absolutely it's it is funny because it does feel like we rehearsed this because i immediately thought when i re-listened to this i said it feels like something that would play in the witcher like, it feels like something that would be the background of, like, a dark fantasy, like the Dark Crystal or something that had a little bit more craziness thrown into it than Lord of the Rings. But it does. It feels like a fantasy epic. Oh, yeah. If you put the lyrics, toss a coin to your witcher in that song, it would not feel out of place at all. Not. It's Dandelion featuring Dandelion is, is who it is. Like. <laughs> All right, we now move on to more experimentation with Slang. Released May 14th, 1996, the album hit number five in the UK and number 14 in the US. It is platinum in Canada and only gold in US and the UK. There were four singles off of this one, Work It Out being the highest. It hit number six on the US rock charts. Mark Cloudy went with Deliver Me. Cactus Pete went with Turn to Dust. Hulk Patriot went with uh, Truth, and Jeff Rusinellis went with Blood Runs Cold. So you got four songs out of four people on this one off of X. Did you side with them, or did you go with something else? I just seem to be going with something else. Me and me and X are on a different wavelength today, I guess. I went with the title track. I went with Slang. I think it does have that kind of walk this way, Aerosmith featuring Run DMC feel to it. I think that they were trying something with this album that they didn't necessarily stick the landing with. It feels like they're trying to be two other bands at the same time. It feels like there's Nirvana sprinkled in there. It feels like there's like they're trying to be a little hip hop in places they shouldn't be. I don't know. I I think it's just not my thing. I wasn't a lot. I wasn't. I just was one year old when this came out. Maybe it was big when it happened, but I it just feels like a little bit too off of the formula 
shouldn't stick to the formula exactly, but I don't think you should go this far away from it. Mm-hmm. I like slang. I think that was the perfect kind of golden ratio of just far enough outside of the comfort zone, but still sticking with what makes them really popular. It sounds amazing. I, I slang is one very, very big bright light in a track list that I, I do not enjoy this album. I'll admit this was not an easy album for me. Um, you know, not every band is going to have every album be a banger all the way through. Um, and I completely agree. Like 1996, you know, you think about this in, in a musical um, surrounding, if you will, you're basically after the explosion of grunge at the beginning of your, your late nineties boy band, you know, very bubblegum pop kind of explosion as well. And you're also in the middle of the industrial, you know, section as well. So you can hear a little bit of that in truth, which was going to be my pick until I got to the end and move with me slowly. This is a song. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a bit of a bluesy groove and it's one of those ones I'd love to hear this song acoustically and which to me is always the the you know, the linchpin of a song. If you can play it acoustically, you know, it, it's it's a phenomenal song. And here, this is one of those songs where, you know, it leans into, you know, that, that, that good Joe Elliott vocal, you know, rhythm, if you will. And yeah, if it's got a bluesy groove, you can't really go wrong with blues in a good rock band. No, it's true. It is, it is more the bluesy ones. I didn't, I don't know. Maybe that one didn't stick with me as good as with you. It does. It's one of the better ones for sure out of the, out of the huge swath of tracks on here that are very, very forgettable. But it does make sense because I think by default, if you find one of the lesser Def Leppard albums, if you go to the slower stuff, you'll find the gems out of their worst albums. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We get to the end of the 90s with Euphoria, released June 8th, 1999. It hit number 11 in the UK and the US. It's gold in Canada and the States. Five singles off of this one. Promises hit number one on the U.S. rock charts. Mark Claddy ended up going with Demolition Man. Cactus Pete and Hulk Patriot both went with Promises. And Jeff Rosinellis went with Paper Sun. And once again, I agree with Jeff Rosinellis. Paper Sun almost has that white lightning vibe to me on this one. Uh, Almost... I'm not going to say Middle Eastern style flavor to it, but for me... The song is good by itself. And by the way, I also had Demolition Man, Promises, and Guilty on my contenders list. Um, but it's the end of the song for me because it goes into this almost extra um, post-bridge, if you will. And it's like, where are they going? Where were they going? Okay, I love the way they end this. It's something a little different. It's kind of like the end of um, Home for a Rest from Spirit of the West where you got the song and then they get into almost this, this different riff rally at the end. It's like, It's a new song. I like it. I'm all for it. But off of Euphoria, what did you go with? Uh, First of all, I'm going to say Home for a Rest. You're tickling all the right ivories there with my East Coast soul. But um, I finally, me and uh, and X seem to be on the same wavelength because the best song on this album is Promises. It's such a good song. I think it has the same power as the Hysteria years. I think this was a return to form. After Slang, I think they find they found that golden ratio that I mentioned with Slang, the song, and and realized, okay, this is our limit. Anything past this, and we're getting too far into different territory. Because Paper Sun, like you said, still very experimental in ways, but they ring it back in and still keep it Def Leppardy and feel. And I think that's what this album is. It's what kind of Slang maybe should have been. 
Mm-hmm. Promises is amazing. Guilty is my second pick. It was a very difficult choice between Promises and Guilty. Probably the hardest choice between two songs that I had uh, during this whole ride because Guilty is an amazing song. One of their best slow ones. Um, I was lucky enough that they played that as a deep cut when I saw them live in Bangor. And I was so excited because I do love that song so much. But Promises, I think, drives this whole album. Demolition Man is great. It's, it's I, It and Run Riot, I think, are kind of like brother-sister songs. It was another one I listened to a lot uh, for hockey. But Promises is the one that sticks with me later into life. I can only imagine, like, just the string of success if Euphoria was the follow-up to Adrenalize. Yes, I mean, because that's what it feels like. It feels like Adrenalize happened retroactive and slang were kind of like a hiccup. And then Euphoria was like, OK, we're back. And it did feel like with this album, they 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 went back and said, OK, what is Def Leppard? And you can hear certain callbacks to different songs that kind of define the different aspects of Def Leppard on this album. And it does. It, it's a highly underrated album, in my opinion. Yes, I can. That's actually what I have written right beside it is. If this was released congruently, it would have been a lot bigger. I feel like at this point, too, it's 1999 and the Def Leppard, the 1980s music had just kind of fallen off at that point, too. We are at full scale bubblegum pop. Music is strange in 1999. So the fact that they were releasing an album that had this much quality on it that still sticks today, when a lot of the bands at this point from their era had most definitely fallen off and were not releasing as much quality, some had just disbanded completely. There's a lot of bands that were huge in the 80s that had their 10 years in the sun and then they kind of went away. But uh, this is kind of a testament to the staying power, even up till today. And we'll talk about it a little bit later on. But the fact that you did have songs that were so good, like Demolition Man, Promises, Guilty, Paper Sun, like the fact you had four or five bangers on an album in 1999 from a band that came out in 1980, it just should have been released a little bit earlier. And I think it would have been higher up in history. Plus, you get bands that get to a point where they've been around long enough, they've done everything and achieved more than many bands you know, of their day have. And after a while, you're like, it, we're going to do whatever the hell we want because we're Def Leppard. And that yeah. works well. And I think that's kind of what happened with the next couple of albums, as a matter of fact. Oh, absolutely. Hey, folks. Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report. And you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. You know, after Y2K, of course, becomes X. That That's my algebra for lesson for the day. Released July 30th, 2002. It hit number 14 in the UK and number 11 in the US. There were three singles off of this one. Now being the highest charting, it hit number 23 in the UK and 26 on the US rock charts. Cactus Pete ended up going with Four Letter Word. Hulk Patriot went with You're So Beautiful. And Jeff Rusinellis chose Torn to Shreds. So off of X, what have you got? I went with four letter word as well. I think that is another bit of a sleeper hit for them. 
I think it's because it's lost in another. I'll put X next to Slang as probably one of their their weaker releases. I think it's just because they were lost in 2002. Uh, Rock was really at a low point then. There was a new wave coming up that was not very Def Leppard friendly, I will say. So at this point in time, it's difficult to make an album like this work because it was so many slow 1980s rock ballads, which if you're Def Leppard, that's your bread and butter. But just at the time frame, I think it wasn't that strong. But Four Letter Word is a very good song. Well, when you think, too, and you go back to Euphoria being released in 1999, and of course, we've all seen the documentaries of Woodstock 99, you know, and just what the music scene was at that time, you know, bands like Korn and and Limp Bizkit, and, you know, you, you had a lot of rage going on, you yeah. know, at that time, and here's Def Leppard just singing happy songs. Um, it's, you know, they, they, they almost felt like an anachronism, but a stubborn anachronism that you, you had to give them kudos for doing what the ever the hell they wanted, which is more badass than than most people out there. Agreed. It it's they had their style, they knew what was working, and they stuck to it, even when everything around them was probably telling them that this isn't gonna work anymore. For my pick though, I'm going with a, a bonus track on the album, and it's the acoustic version of Long Long Way to Go. Now originally it was going to be a toss up between the original, this song and then you're so beautiful, but then the acoustic version hits and you're like, Holy crap. This is, this is the definitive version, not just of the song itself, but again, Joe Elliott, softer side of his vocals, right? Acoustic guitars, like this band, I am surprised, you know, with all the songs that they have, that they have not put out a full, acoustic album yet and it's odd because in the two times that i've seen them jason they did almost half of their set acoustically acoustically they came out they sit down and they do i think it was four or five of their really big hits they did acoustic acoustically when i saw them in both bangor uh and in toronto it's it was it was really strange that you're you're right this is one of the bands that i think all of their songs would translate well if you had like a 12 string and a six string acoustic guitar, you could do a beautiful greatest hits album. Oh yeah. Just like just a stripped down version of the songs. I think would be phenomenal. Also, if that ever happens now, uh, world, you're welcome. You heard it here first. Yeah. We gave them the idea, right? It's all us. Now we move on to an album of full covers released May 23rd, 2006 and the release of yeah, the album hit number 52 in the UK and 16 in the US. There were three singles off of this one. Rock On hit number 18 on the US rock charts. Cactus Pete went with No Matter What and Hulk Patriot chose Rock On. What did you go with off of Yeah? Yeah, Yeah is very forgettable to me because it's just, it's a strange thing to come out with a full cover album, I think. I don't know. Is it, you can take somebody else's song and you can cover it well. There's some great covers out there. Uh, just off the top of my head, Hootie and the Blowfish do a cover of Losing My Religion. I think it's better than the original. Uh, there's a couple songs that bands that can make another person's song their own, but I think with Def Leppard, it just it feels strange. I went with Don't Believe a Word. I'm going to say, to, I have two. I have Drive and Sunday and Don't Believe a Word, and they're just equal to each other in my notes, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with Don't Believe a Word. It's a banger song on a forgettable album, I think this is one of those songs that is hidden in the time period. I wish this would have came out earlier. I think it would have been one of their bigger hits. 
every now and then a band does put out a, 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 a covers album and you're like, really? You guys are doing yeah. that? Um, it just I, seems out of place. Yeah, I remember Queensryche do, you know, putting out their their Take Cover album. And I mean, Queensryche, you know, had, again, I'm biased. I'm a, I'm a Queensryche fan. Um, but I, I didn't foresee them. Yes, they had done covers in the past. You know, they had done the cover of Scarborough Fair, which is phenomenal. Um, but for them to do an uh, like a full album of covers, and some of them I'm just like, Mm, maybe you shouldn't have covered that song, but there are some where I'm like, absolutely, this this slays. Like they did a cover of um, uh, Heaven on Their Mind from Jesus Christ Superstar, and it's it kills. But for for this album, I mean, yes, they're leaning into you know bands that influenced them. Of course, you got T Rex on there, um, but I ended up going with Hanging on the Telephone. So. And I, I was real. Hey, the song's great, but when I started to read into this, and you realize the life of this song itself, it's insane. So the 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 song was originally recorded by a band called The Nerves, which lasted like one album, but then the song itself became famous with Blondie covered it, and since then, not only has Def Leppard covered it, but also L Seven has done it, and Melissa Rauch. From the Big Bang Theory, did this song what as the voice of Harley Quinn in Batman and Harley Quinn? It's a great song. It's a phenomenal song, but I love when a song's got a story to it as well. I almost went with No Matter What because I have played that song live and it is kind of a fun, you know, again mid tempo groover. But Hanging on the Telephone, great song, and I think Def Leppard did it justice on this one. I had no idea that song had so many covers. Melissa Roach of all people. That is amazing. I had no idea. And yes, Melissa Roach as Harley Quinn. Really good. I yep. give her. I give her. I, I give her a thumbs up. Obviously, it's hard to to replace Strong, but at the same time, like she's got a great voice for it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We now move on to songs from the Sparkle Lounge. The album was released April twenty fifth, two thousand eight. It hit number ten in the UK and number five in the US. There were two singles off of this one. Nine Lives was the only one to chart anywhere. It hit number thirty eight in Canada. Yay, Canada! Cactus Pete went with Nine Lives. Hulk Patriot went with Go, and Jeff Rusnells went with Only the Good Die Young. But off of songs from the Sparkle Lounge, what did you go with? Let me tell you something. Let me talk to you, Jason. This is, people need to listen to this album cover to cover and realize that it might be one of their best albums out there. I absolutely love songs from the Sparkle Lounge. I have two physical Def Leppard albums nowadays on vinyl. I have Hysteria and I have songs from the Sparkle Lounge on vinyl. I am a country music fan. I was raised on it, like I said at the beginning of the episode. When this came out, I was in middle school and I was in full 1980s rock regalia. I was angsty. I just thought that I was born in the wrong time. And when this came out and there was a feature of Tim McGraw with Def Leppard, this was the best thing that ever happened to me musically for like four years. Nine Lives by a Mile. Uh, It's on my favorite playlist that I listen to every day. Whenever it comes on, I still get that little jolt of excitement because it's such a good song. I think Joe Elliott and Tim McGraw play off each other amazingly because their voices next to each other you would think it wouldn't work because tim mcgraw is very low and very like uh, how do i put this joe elliott's voice is vodka and tim mcgraw's is like really smooth dark rum 
total different vibes to it. You wouldn't think it works until you hear them side by side, but it is an amazing song. And other songs on there that didn't get picked, I can't believe nobody picked Bad Actress. That's an amazing song as well. And Come Undone as well. Uh, two close seconds there, but nothing tops Nine Lives. The fact that you have artists like Tim McGraw that are so eager to jump onto a song with Def Leppard, it just goes to show you the respect that Def Leppard has. But, you know, even as far as duets go, I mean, obviously they had that that release with Taylor Swift um, at the New York uh, Taylor. Yeah, they did Crossroads. Yeah, but the, the Taylor Hawkins New York tribute concert and they performed with Miley Cyrus joining them for Photograph, which is a phenomenal version of that song as well. Like their songs lend themselves to anyone hopping on stage and singing along with them. And I think it's just because they are so timeless. There's some songs from the eighties that are a bit dated, but I don't like, I would assume it's the same thing with you. When you saw them live, I saw them most recently. uh, I believe it was 2017 or 18 when they were touring with Motley Crue and Poison. And they still sound exactly the same, Jason. Like Joe Elliott's voice has not given an inch. It still sounds amazing. They sound exactly like they do on tape. So I think that has something to do with it too. They're just, there's this timeless feel about them and very clearly they've inspired like generations of people, but you're right. Just the fact that an artist would go so out of his wheelhouse, like Tim McGraw to appear on an album like this is amazing. And it's even better that it was a home run of a song because it just goes to show that people should experiment more like this. I wish more country music artists would uh, would team up with rock artists to make stuff like this because it is such an amazing song. Okay, so now we're just going to manifest that, that eventual Def Leppard acoustic album that that is now going to happen because we mentioned it on the show is going to be an acoustic duets album and it's just different artists from different genres joining Def Leppard duetting on their songs. Book it right now, two steps behind with Chris Stapleton. Hmm, interesting. I, I can see that actually. I can see that. I we need a Chris Stapleton Joe Elliott team up because they're just the the two two of the best voices I've ever heard together. We've we've got to get that going. But for my song off of this album, it was originally going to be Hallucinate because that's a great song, and you're right, this also, is a good uh, yeah. album. Yeah, but since you mentioned it, my song pick is actually Bad Actress. Yes, this thank one. you. Because I mean, it's you, so good. You know me. I I'm a rocker. You know, I got a little bit of that punk attitude going. And this this song's got a lot of, you know, it's got a lot of attitude to it. It it does. It's got a driving bass line, driving drum line to it. It's very much like it is. It's more it's on it's on the punk scale. I would say it's on the punk scale. It's such a good song. But this album I think is underrated in in all because everything on here is good. Only the good die young. Somebody off Twitter or X picked that I heard. Mm-hmm. And that was I didn't know if anybody would, but that is another really good one that's up there. Yeah. It, it the song brims with Def Lepitude. That that's yes. what you're saying now. Trademark. Def Lepitude, I love it. <laughs> we now go on to their self titled album, released October thirtieth, twenty fifteen. The album hit number eleven in the UK and number ten in the US. There were four singles off of this one. Let's Go, Dangerous, Man Enough, and We Belong. Unfortunately, none of them charted. Cactus Pete ended up going with Dangerous. Hulk Patriot went with All Time High. And Jeff Rusinellis went with We Belong. What did you go with? I went with Dangerous. I went. I, I think it was the, they were obviously trying to basically, okay, let's make a bare bones Def Leppard album in 2015 and let's see how it goes. Let's see if it floats. 
And unfortunately, none of them charted. But if you're a fan of Def Leppard, everything here you're going to like. It's just not going to be as memorable as some of the other stuff, unfortunately. Because I think at this point of the game, when you're 2015 and you're releasing a self-titled album, and it's kind of just wearing its heart on its sleeve, and it's, okay, here's us, here's the basic stuff you love, it's going to get lost, and you're just going to want to listen to Hysteria, if that makes any sense. But in an, on an album that is very by the numbers, Dangerous is the best of them all, I think. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, with this album, you know, you have, again, Def Leppard leaning into what makes Def Leppard really, really good and their ability to do a ballad. So yes, for my song, uh, for my song, I ended up going with Last Dance. Oh, that's a good one. When you think about it, I mean, again, you've got good acoustics in this. You've got, you know, good singing in this, great lyrics. You can see this song being the second last song at any wedding or high school dance of course yeah, it's very it's very much a like a a last call bar closer like okay everybody here's a slow one to to, to get everybody out to send them all home you know what i mean until we play stairway to heaven <laughs> yeah no but but seriously though last dance is one of those songs that you could see someone be you know playing it at their wedding or maybe it is actually someone's wedding song it's 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 a really it's a gorgeous song but it's an understated song for them yeah, that's a good way. To, understated is a really good way to describe it. Understated, I think, is a good way to describe this whole album, mm-hmm. honestly, because I think there, there's there's glimmers here of something really good. Another song I had written down was We Belong for kind of that same reason. It felt the most Def Leppardish, but it just felt like there was it was down one notch. It wasn't cranked up to 11. It was on like a nine, and it just needed something, a little extra kick. And I don't even know what that is, but it, this whole album just felt understated. That's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Now, not that understated is necessarily a bad thing. You can nope. have you know, a, a slightly dialed back perform, you know, song, but still brim with the with the great songwriting ability. Like, not everything needs to be as upfront as "Let's Get Rocked" or "Pour Some Sugar on Me." Um, you can have a song that's that sits in the pocket very comfortably. Yeah, and sometimes that's even better because I think songs like "Let's Get Rocked." Like, I don't necessarily like Let's Get Rocked as a song because it reminds me a lot of, like, Kisses, I Want to Rock and Roll All Night, Party Every Day. It's just the same two lines over and over and over again. And I think, obviously, that has its place. Like, when you're ready to party, that that's what you're going to. But at the same time, like you said, if you want to sit and listen to an album cover to cover, you need some substance to it. And I think that's one thing this band does well, even in an album like this that's a little bit under the radar and kind of just meh that still shines through the fact that every one of these songs is its own piece of musically aligned sheet music with lyric. It's all a complete package. They didn't try to put any filler in, even if it sounds like sometimes they did. Mm -hmm. We now move on to Diamond Star Halos, released during the pandemic of May 27th, 2022. Hit number five in the UK, number 10 in the US. And to all the bands that put out albums during the pandemic, God bless you. You guys made some great music and made a tough time a little bit easier to get through. There were three singles off of this one. Kick hit the US rock charts at number 34. Cactus Pete went with Take What You Want. Hulk Patriot went with All We Need, and Jeff Rusinellis chose SOS Emergency. So off of Diamond Star Halos, what's your song? I also went with SOS Emergency. Okay. I think this was this was the same kind of thing like you said. The pandemic was weird. Every album that came out felt different just because you're wondering what kind of production loops did they have to jump through 
to get this done. Um, I obviously my heart wants to go with the Alison Krauss features because there's two of them in Lifeless and the guitar, but I think they were kind of too on the Alison Krauss side and not too not as enough on the Def Leppard side. SOS Emergency kind of fits into that same feel as Hysteria and Animal, I think. It scratched that same itch. Feels more like some of their older stuff. Kick is also really good. I think Kick, I, I can't believe Kick didn't do better than it did. But I think SOS Emergency is the most quality hit here. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Kick is actually my song pick off of this album. Here, hey, perfect. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, this this album as a whole, I kind of put it alongside Slang in that there are some really good songs on here. But as a whole, it doesn't stand up to albums like Adrenalize or Euphoria or songs from the Sparkle Lounge, like as a whole. But Kick is definitely one of those songs where it does. It has that 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 Def Leppard feel to it and stands out amongst the rest of the of the songs on the album. We really have to like see if there's something going on here because I had written down next to Diamond Star Halos, it feels like slang part two. Yeah. So it's funny you say that. We really are on the same wavelength with a lot of the Def Leppard stuff because but, it does. It, it has that same feel of like they tried something here, but it didn't necessarily hit. Well, see, this is what happens when I hack your computer and steal your notes. Well, the government's doing it anyways. So. <laughs> we, we now move on to the last album of the Def Leppard discography thus far, and that is Drastic Symphonies, the album that is orchestral versions of their songs as done with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Released May 19th of 2023, it hit number four in the UK and only number 54 in the US. There was one single off of this one, Animal unfortunately did not chart and hulk patriot off this album shows too late for love and once again hulk patriot you got some good uh, good taste here because i ended up going with too late for love as well when it comes to orchestrations and taking you know your your discography and finding some songs and basically you know making them symphonic we have been spoiled by metallica's snm of course with the great michael Kamen. So I think most albums, when they go down that symphonic road, they're going to always be in comparison to something like that. And maybe that's not fair, but I think they did actually pretty good with this one here. Too Late for Love, though, really stood out as something that took what was good about the original and amplified it. Like, I've played in string orchestras before, so I know you know, what, what that can, you know, what that string sound can bring to something. And when the, when the orchestra uplifts, like there were some songs on here where it felt like they just took the studio tracks and put a symphony in. Right. But there were others where it's like, no, 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 they took it, they reworked it and they massaged it into something new. Uh, I almost had, uh, have you ever needed someone so bad and goodbye for good this time as potentials, but Too Late for Love just stole it right near the end and said, nope, nope, this is the song for me. So off of Drastic Symphonies, what did you go with? It's just, it's such, it's one of my favorite songs of all time, so I still had to go with Gods of War because I think it's one of the ones that lends itself to the to the symphonic elements better. There's a lot of in, instrumental breaks in Gods of War anyway, so it, give them, it gave them more to play with there. Some of these songs, just exactly how you said, you can tell it almost felt like they just gave the symphony the backing track and was like, okay, mess around with it. And it's it's really minimalist and kind of doesn't even sound much different to me. 
but uh, Too Late for Love, When Love and Hate Collide, and Gods of War were the three. It was a hard choice, but just because I like the song better, I think I went with Gods of War. All right, you realize it's come time now. You knew what you signed up for this. So we've come to the point of the show where if there can only be one from the songs that you have on your list, what song is it? So I'll, I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that moment to look at your list and agonize here. So off of On Through the Night, I went with Answer to the Master. From High and Dry, I went with Bringing on the Heartbreak. From Pyromania, I went with Too Late for Love. From Hysteria, I went with Hysteria. From Adrenalize, I picked White Lightning. From Retroactive, I went with From the Inside. Off of Slang, I went with, with Move With Me Slowly. From Euphoria, I went with Paper Sun. Off of X, I went with the acoustic version of Long, Long Way to Go. From Yeah, I went with Hanging on the Telephone. From Songs from the Sparkle Lounge, I went with Bad Actress. Off of their self-titled 2015 album, I went with Last Dance. Off of 2022's Diamond Star Halos, I went with Kick. And off of Drastic Symphonies, I went with Too Late for Love. Again, obviously because it's a good song. But if there can only be one, and I, I've been agonizing this one. I've been sitting here looking at my list going, oh, maybe it's, maybe, oh, maybe it's that one. Oh, that one's really good too. But at the end of the day, I think I have to go back to Hysteria. The song that knows not just one mood, but every mood. And the song that, honestly, it's a song that really anyone can sing. And I'm not saying that from a from a performance perspective. But I'm meaning no matter who you are and how you sing or what mood you feel, you can take this song and find a home in it. And that's that's a rarity for a song these days. You know, for a song to be able to hit every mood, every taste, every genre, and fit right at home. For me, it's hysteria. So now I've, I've given you enough time, Lyle. So from your list, give us the rundown. And if there can only be one song from Def Leppard, what is it? God, man, this is, this is, this is difficult. Like, this is truly a hard choice. On through the night, I had Rock Brigade. From high and dry, I had mirror, mirror. Oh man, pyromania, fooling. I'm, I'm already second guessing myself in the head. From hysteria, I went with gods of war, adrenalized, tear it down, retroactive, action, slang, the title track, slang, euphoria, promises. From X, I went with four letter word. Oh man, from yeah, you don't even have to mention yeah, honestly, because it's just, this is so difficult. Songs in the Sparkle Lounge, Nine Lives, and the self-titled Def Leppard, Dangerous, Diamond Star Halos, SOS Emergency, from Drastic Symphonies, Gods of War again. I am going to go with what I thought from the beginning would be my choice, because I said that this album should be held in higher regard anyway. No, you know what? I'm changing last minute. Bottom of the ninth. I'm going with Foolin' from Pyromania, because I think foolin is if you are looking to get into Def Leppard and you want something that has everything about this band represented before they got really famous before they knew what was right and when they were really just firing on all cylinders creatively and were making the stuff that would make them famous you got to go with the thing that started the peak and I think that's foolin so I'm going to go with foolin from Pyromania 
obviously it's on an album and in a time period where there's a lot coming out from this band, but I, I dare say that Foolin' is the best Def Leppard song. You were contemplating Nine Lives, weren't you? You don't know how close I was, but I feel really bad saying I've I've thought of Nine Lives from the beginning at the start. I, I said to people that I told I was doing this episode, Nine Lives is winning. But I just don't think in all confidence I can put a song that so heavily features another artist as the best song from the other artist. Interesting, because I mean, there are some you know, there were some artists where like if we were covering Peter Gabriel, um, I would seriously have to consider don't give up, which of course was his duet with Kate Bush. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like it, it's, it's one of those things where do you, do you lean on the song even though it's a duet? I don't. And that's the thing. It's a duet, but at the same time, it's a duet so very late in a career that was like decade defining. Like we've said it a hundred times, but it's because it's so true. I think you have to pick something from their solo work to really, if you're only going to listen to one Def Leppard song, say you've never heard of Def Leppard. And someone comes up to me, I've never heard of Def Leppard. What is the best song for me to start with and listen to? I wouldn't say Nine Lives then. It's my personal favorite song, but what if you don't like country music? You know what I mean? So I, for me, in my heart of hearts, there's there's going to be a Nine Lives in there somewhere. But if someone's got a gun to my head, like I said, with picking a song from Hysteria, and they're like, give me the best Def Leppard song to listen to right now, fool it. It would just say it, it comes out so naturally. At least now we know what's, uh, what's the B-side on the 45 for you. Yes, 100%. Lyle, thank you so much. Before we go, please let our listeners know where they can find you and where they can hear you. Everybody can find me on 640 Toronto. I'm one of the content producers there. If you're listening to the Today in TO podcast with Danny Stover, you hear my voice a lot. I'm also on the morning show with Greg Brady today in Toronto. Lyle, dude, you know you're always welcome. This show or it's not that bad anytime. The seat is always ready for you. Thank you so much. And to you, our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of There Can Only Be One. Hey, if you want to chime in, if you want to hear what songs that we are, an artist that we're talking about, find us on X at Only One Cast or on any other social media platform at Not That Bad Cast. You can also go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com where you can catch up on all our back episodes and drop us a line and let us know if there's an artist that you would like us to cover. Until next time, Lyle, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you so much. This is There Can Only Be One. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.